Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. What's up, everybody? Good morning. On this Monday morning, the Philadelphia Eagles sitting here as the only 7-1 and one football team in the NFL. Wasn't always pretty yesterday. We're going to get into it all. But at the end of the day, the Philadelphia Eagles, number one in the NFC, number one in the NFC East, best record in the NFL. So we got to be happy as we sit here October 30th, 7-1, and one winning a division game on the road. But it was not always pretty. We'll get into it, obviously, today. Also, our Sixers win their home opener. Tyrese Maxey looking pretty good. But today, we're going to talk all Philadelphia Eagles, obviously, after that game because there's a lot to talk about. But welcome into the Philly Sports Power Hour. I see you guys in the chat already. Appreciate it. Let's get a little roll call. Let's see who we got on this fine morning. I see you. Let's shoot the shit. Appreciate all the kind words. Chuck Hutton, good morning to you. Wine Niners wine, the billable hour, already starting. Why isn't anyone talking about the defensive adjustments of benching Dean for Morrow? JM, good morning to you. And Wine Niners wine, we'll talk about it. Chuck Hutton, finding a way to win. Steve Ike, Jalen is clutch. One above all, what is up, my man? Everybody, it is good to see you. As I say every week, I do appreciate you taking this hour, spending it with me talking Philadelphia sports. But it's a lot better to be sitting here in front of you guys after an Eagles win. I'll tell you that. Twiz, how you doing? Ty Banks live. Let's go. DeAndre Swift should be the featured back. You guys know, if you were listening to me last week, the concerns I have with this Philadelphia Eagles running game, and we're going to get into it. We are going to get into it later in the show. But let's first just take a look. Philadelphia Eagles do win 38-31. Only 7-1 team left. More good news. The San Francisco 49ers dropped their third straight game. They're not even in first place in their own division right now with the Seattle Seahawks stealing that game against the Cleveland Browns. I thought there was a chance, I said last week, there was a chance the Philadelphia Eagles could have taken a two-game lead on a lot of teams in this NFC, and Seattle almost made that a reality, but they come back, win that game in Cleveland. Lions play tonight. I think they will go to 6-2. and two. Cowboys, big win against the Rams, and it is Cowboys week. So obviously later in the week, we will be previewing. A big, big game has a lot of ramifications for this whole season with home field advantage, winning the division. Big game against the Cowboys. But we'll talk more about this game as it approaches. Let's talk about that win yesterday and I see more of you in the chat good morning Byron Jones good morning the blonde boy Carlos Drew what is up Jason a team in the house love it Steve Ike Carlos Drew Niners yeah man that team three straight losses but that's why as we sit here let's get the positive out of the way first 
as we sit here today and you look around the NFL, you got the Kansas City Chiefs losing. You got the 49ers losing three in a row. It is hard to keep winning football games in this league. It's not easy. And we are getting a little bit spoiled as Eagles fans with this Jalen Hurts, Nick Sirianni team because all they do is win. 24-2 and in the last 26 regular season games with Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni. So I'm going to pick apart the game yesterday. I'm going to analyze things. We're going to talk about areas they need to improve. But as we sit here as Eagles fans, we cannot forget that this team just continues to find ways to win no matter what happens. And you've heard John McMullen say this before on Birds 365 that games take on personalities. Every game has its own personality. And yesterday, that game had a personality of being a shootout. No one expected that. I certainly didn't expect it, and I'm going to tell you why in a second. But that game turned into a shootout, and this Philadelphia Eagles offense did what they had to do to beat a division opponent on the road. So as we sit here, let's remember that. But we're going to analyze it. Let's also talk about another positive here. A.J. Brown is the best wide receiver the Philadelphia Eagles have ever had in their history. And it's not even debatable anymore. This guy, you've heard other people saying it, should be in the conversation for the MVP in the NFL after eight weeks, what he is doing. And you've seen the stat probably 100 times already. The first player ever with six straight 125-plus yard receiving games. The first player ever. Think about that, guys. Think about how long the NFL has been around. How many great wide receivers there have been in this league. Calvin Johnson, Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, our man T.O. The list goes on and on about how many great wide receivers there's been. And only one of them has ever had six straight games with 125 yards. And it's A.J. Brown. Where would this team be? Without A.J. Brown. I don't think they're sitting here seven and one. That's why when you talk about MVP, and this is a debate we'll have maybe towards the end of the season, but the MVP, they always give it to a quarterback who has a great season. But when you really look at MVP, it stands for most valuable player. And I don't think there is a player on this team that has been more valuable so far through eight weeks, than A.J. Brown and what he's been able to do to help this team win football games. Unreal, man. Unreal. And I want to see what you guys are saying in the chat. The blonde boy, A.J. Brown, is Optimus Brown. Ty Banks, A.J. Brown needs that extension. We'll be okay for a little while. When they traded for him last year, they signed him to a four-year, $100 million deal. So he's only two years in. Jason A team, yes, he has two more two more years left. Let's shoot the shit. I laugh at people bashing Dean in the offseason. I take that back. Now that he has gotten the time, he has shown me they were right. We're going to talk about the defense in a second, guys, because there's a lot to talk about on that defense. Steve Like, I take my Dean love back. Well, let's jump in now because you guys are already starting to talk about the defense, so let's jump into that defense. So we talked about it last week. 
If you guys follow me on Instagram, Bill Calarulo at Legal Hands to the Face, or you follow me on Twitter at Bill Calarulo, please, guys, give me a follow. But I was posting content all week. We talked about it on this show all week. And I know it's a division game and things are different and you can't always look at the stats, but the stats can be a real indicator of what you expect in a football game, especially when you're talking about an opposing offense. Because I get it, in division games, defenses sometimes will show up. They may be more up for the game. But an offense is usually what their stats say they are. An offense usually is what their stats say they are because you're talking about playmakers and skilled position players. And this Washington offense, let's call it like it is, sucked. Outside of two games against the Philadelphia Eagles, this Washington Commanders offense has sucked this season. And they came into this game yesterday, 22nd in the NFL, averaging only 298 yards per game. And somehow, a Philadelphia Eagles defense that just shut down the number one offense in the league held the Miami Dolphins to 244 yards. They let the Washington Commanders put up 472 yards yesterday. And I have to actually keep double-checking that because it seems so crazy to me. 472 yards against the 22nd-ranked offense in the league. And there were problems all over the board. Now, I'm giving them a little benefit of the doubt here. It was Kevin Byard's first game as an Eagle. Reed Blankenship was coming back from injury. So you give them a little bit of slack here. Two new safeties are playing. You have Sidney Brown really playing a position that he was not drafted to play by playing slot corner. So that maybe would give them an excuse for some of the plays. But they were absolutely dominated by that commander's offense. Dominated. 472 yards. Coming in, the commanders were averaging 20 points a game. Put up 31 yesterday. A defense that essentially held the Miami Dolphins to seven points. They let the commanders put up 31 freaking points. But the worst thing for me was the passing defense. You're talking about a passing offense where Sam Howell, give him credit, played well. But you're talking about a passing offense that was averaging 212 yards a game coming in, 19th in the league. And you let the commanders put up 388 net passing yards in that game. You let Sam Howell come three yards away from a 400-yard game. 397 Sam Howell put up. 39 of 52, 397 yards, four touchdowns. And if you guys follow Jacob Sports and you watch the pregame, halftime, and postgame show, I do the halftime show with Mark Farzetta. And I was given these stats. At the half, Sam Howell, 24 of 26, 226 yards, two touchdowns. How the hell does that happen? I get it. Like I said, give him a little bit of slack. Reed's coming back from injury. It's Bayard's first game in an Eagles uniform. But you still have Darius Slay and James Bradbury on the outside. And you let Sam Howe go 24 of 26 for 226 
and two touchdowns in the first freaking half. And what made things worse is this was a Washington Commanders team that coming into this game was on an historic pace of giving up sacks. They had given up 40 damn sacks through seven weeks of the season. They were coming off of a game where they let the New York Giants sack them six times. The Giants were the 32nd-ranked sack defense in the league before that game, and they sacked Sam Howell six times. And the Philadelphia Eagles come in with Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, Fletcher Cox, Jalen Carter. We'll talk about his injury in a second. Jordan Davis. Brandon Graham. And they get one sack. It was a big sack. Hassan Reddick is a closer. It was a big sack. But you got to be kidding me. One sack against a team that was on pace to set a record for the most sacks given up in NFL history? Come on. And what they let this team do on third down. This was the 31st ranked offense in the league on third down. Philadelphia Eagles let them go 7 of 12 for 58% on third down. This team's got to be better, man. They have to be better on defense, and I think they will. Listen, I'm going to let me get it out of my system here because it was tough to watch, but I do think they will get it right. And I see Philly Eagle 22 in the chat saying Bayard is going to get things right. I agree with you. I agree with you. Look, new safety. He's never played with Reed Blankenship before. Reed Blankenship had a terrible game. Terrible game. Comes up with that big interception at the end. But a terrible game. Slay and Bradbury did not look very good. Sidney Brown in the slot. He played about 56% of the snaps. Eli Ricks played 35% of the snaps. But they need to figure that out. Bradley Roby's out with injury. Hopefully he can help when he comes back. Linebackers didn't play great. I thought Zach Cunningham was the best linebacker on the field for the Eagles, but Dean struggled. Morrow did a little bit better when he got in, but he didn't have a great game either. And the D-line just couldn't get pressure on Sam Howe. And I get what the game plan was for Biennemi and the Washington Commanders offense. Clearly, you're watching the game. You saw what they were trying to do. Get the ball out of his hands quickly. Don't allow the Eagles defense to get pressure on Howe. We were saying it in the green room, watching the game. Me, Seth Joyner, Derek Gunn, Mark Farzetta, Mike Missanelli. Well, get up closer to the line of scrimmage. You see what they're doing. Get up closer to the line of scrimmage. If Sam Howell is trying to get rid of the ball quickly, why are our corners playing 8 to 10 yards off the football? Get in their face. Play a little press coverage. Force him to make decisions early while you're battling with these receivers close to the line. That was frustrating, what they did in the passing game, what they did in getting pressure on the quarterback, what they did on third down. They also let this commander's offense run the football. Coming into the game, commanders were 26th in the league in running the ball, going against the number one rushing defense in the league. Commanders averaged 5.3 yards a carry yesterday. That's pretty damn good. 5.3 yards per carry. But look, defense showed up when it had to. Big sack by Hassan Reddick. 
big interception by Reed Blankenship. They got bailed out a little bit with two drops by Terry McLaurin. Weren't great passes, but he's got to have it. But I want to see what you guys are saying in the chat here about this defense. SC Birds fan 803. They need to put Morrow back in there and look at trading for a linebacker. Trade deadline is tomorrow. So I do expect Howie Roseman to be working the phones today. Two areas that I would try to like to see them go for would be linebacker depth and running back, which we talked about last week, and we're going to talk about it again when we get into the offense. But right now, let's stick to the defense. Kevin Savard, I'm right with you, man. Kevin Savard says, stop playing the cornerbacks too far off. Have them play press man. And I'm not saying have them do that all the time. But when it is clear that the offensive game plan for the commanders was to get rid of the ball quickly, get up near the line of scrimmage. Eagles fan, Dean was bad yesterday. Move him to safety. Look, I don't think Dean played great, but I would not move him to safety. I don't know if you're kidding there or if that's a serious one there, but he's a linebacker. He's going to stay at linebacker. Jason A team says the same thing. Should be a safety. He's too small. He doesn't have the speed to play safety, guys. He does not have the speed to play safety. Let's shoot the shit. The D got off the field when Dean was off the field. And I'll have to look at that more. I'm going to go back and rewatch the game about what the third down efficiency was for the commanders when Dean wasn't on the field, but he did not have a great game. But really, nobody on that defense had a great game. Even Morrow did not have a great game. Jack Dwight, Blake, Blankenship has good football smarts, but shaky foot speed. We'll see. I mean, look, he was coming back from injury, had him played, never played with Bayard. But the one thing we did see, let's, let's give a positive here because we are sitting here on a victory Monday. Let's give a positive. One of the things we talked about, and I talked about it on Birds 365 on Friday about this Kevin Byard move, was that Kevin Byard, just as excited as I was for him as a player, I was excited as, for him as a leader. You heard everything coming out of Tennessee about this guy, about what he meant to that locker room, about what he meant off the field. And you heard him and Reed Blankenship talking about it after the game yesterday, that as much as Reed Blankenship was struggling, Byard was in his ear basically telling him, next play, next play mentality. Kept Blankenship's head in the game, and then Reed comes up with that big interception. Byard is going to be a great leader for that defense. Wasn't a great start for him, but you got to give the guy credit. Got here this week, he played 100% of the defensive snaps. So I'm not, not down on Bayard. Not a great game for them, but they'll get it together. Let's see what else you guys are saying here. A killer ferret. I'd be concerned if it was any other team. The Eagles commanders seem destined to either have a blowout or a shootout. There is no in-between. For whatever reason, the commanders play the Eagles very, very tough. You guys all remember they gave us the first loss last year. Played really tough in week four. It's just, like I said, if the commander's defense had showed up and played really aggressive and got after Hurts, okay, it's a division game. But when you're letting this offense completely dominate you, two games now, that I have a concern with. If the Eagles weren't coming off of just shutting down the number one offense in the league in the Miami Dolphins, I think I'd be sitting here really sounding the alarms. But you look at what this defense has done over the last three weeks. Before this game, 
and I gave you guys this stat last week. Before this game, the Philadelphia Eagles were holding their opponents to an average of 183 yards passing. They did it to the Rams, the Jets, and the Miami Dolphins. And they did that with a different secondary group every single week. And they didn't have Kevin Byard here. And Reed Blankenship was out. And then they come out against the 19th passing offense in the league and let this team go off for close to 400 yards. It's just crazy how much of a week-to-week league it is in the NFL. But I still think they're going to get things together. I'm still confident in this passing defense. I want to see what else you guys are saying here. Chuck Hutton, the Fangio-style D, gets exposed throughout the league all the time. It happens. I mean, we saw it last year with Jonathan Gannon. But I still have a lot of confidence in Sean Desai as a defensive coordinator and this defense. I really do. As angry as I am about the way the game went yesterday from a defensive perspective, I still have confidence in this team. And I still have confidence in this defense. They just got to figure out all these moving parts and all this interchanging with these, with these players. And I think they'll get it together. I really do. And we'll see. Do they make a move at linebacker? We're going to find that out very, very soon. See what else you guys are saying, because you guys are going nuts here. I can't keep up with the chat. I love it, guys. I love it. Eagles fan, maybe the cornerbacks don't press because they both know they've lost a step. Look, they're getting up there. That is a concern. Bradbury and Slay both haven't looked as great this season as they've looked in previous years. They're both over 30, but I'm not ready to rule these guys out just yet. Let's see what happens. They did, like I said, look at the last three weeks. They did just shut down three really, really good passing offenses. And then let's take a look at the snap counts, guys, real quick. You look at this defensive side of the ball. You had Reed Blankenship play 100% of the snaps coming back from injury. Kevin Byard in his first start, 100% of the snaps. And then they split it. Like I said, Sidney Brown, 56% of the snaps. Eli Ricks, 35% of the snaps. Those guys were kind of in and out, both playing slot corner there. And you saw what we love about Sidney Brown, and you also saw why Sidney Brown hasn't necessarily got more playing time so far this season is you love his athleticism. You love his ability to throw his body around, come up, make big hits. But he also still has a lot to learn about playing defense in the NFL. He did make some mistakes out there, but he plays 100 miles per hour, man. But he's got a lot to learn. He's still a young player. There's a reason why this guy was a third-round draft pick. Third round, right, Sidney Brown? Second or third round? I'm drawing a blank now. But he's a young player who's got a lot to learn. But Eli Ricks is out there battling, undrafted rookie. But those guys kind of split the slot corner position. It'll be interesting to see what this team does when they bring back Bradley Roby from injury. But I see William Moffitt saying that Slay didn't play bad yesterday. Well, it'll be interesting to see. I'm looking forward to seeing the pro football focus grades when they come out. But listen, to say Slay didn't play bad yesterday, that entire secondary played bad yesterday. No one played well on the back end when you're giving up 397 yards to Sam Howe. Nobody played well. The entire back seven really didn't play well. 
Linebackers, safeties, corners, no one. See what else you guys are saying. Sidney Brown isn't ready, William Moffat said. I agree. I think, look, I don't want to say he's not ready to play, but he does have a lot to learn. And I'm hoping they keep giving him reps because I think that's the best way for him to continue to learn because I love the way he throws his body around. I love how aggressive he can be. Twiz says it right there. Sydney's hit on Scary Terry. He wasn't the same afterward. He dropped a couple passes. You're damn right he did. You throw your body around like that. I mean, look, we all remember NFC Championship game when B-Doc lit up Algie Crumpler. Crumpler caught that ball, but that offense wasn't the same after that. Crumpler wasn't the same after that. That goes a long way, man. Guys start knowing they're going to get hit. You see them start dropping balls. You see them start maybe doing some things that are a little uncharacteristic. So I do love that. SC Birds fan, game's a little fast for Sidney Brown. It is. And that's why I think he needs to keep getting reps so that he can get caught up. And CPLX is asking, how's Jalen Carter? So, guys, I also do another show, Legal Hands to the Face. And that's going to go live tonight, Monday, 6.30. We do a weekly show every Monday at 6.30. And I always have Dr. Chris Radcliffe on the show. So check that out tonight. It'll be streamed both here on the Jacob Sportance Network and on my Legal Hands to the Face channel. We're going to have Dr. Radcliffe on, and I want to talk to him about Jalen Carter. And we're also going to talk a little bit about Jalen Hurts' knee. So check that out. But my understanding is Carter is getting an MRI today on his back. So we'll talk to Dr. Radcliffe tonight about what that could mean. Let me see what else you guys are saying in the chat. Unfortunately, Dak plays well against the Birds. We'll talk about that. Let's shoot the shit later in the week. I want to still focus on this uh, Washington Commanders game. Blankenship should have sat another game. He looked lost out there. Yeah, but I don't think that had to do with injury, Ekale. I think that was just rust, and the only way you're going to knock off rust is by playing through it. And look, Eagles win the game. So as maybe Sidney Brown's not ready. Maybe Reed Blankenship was rusty. Kevin Byard just got here. But at the end of the day, they win the game while these guys were able to hopefully knock off all that rust. So defense didn't play well, obviously didn't play well, but they did enough to win the game. Hassan Reddick gets that one sack at the end of the game. He is our closer. Still can't believe they only generated one sack against the commanders. I think that may be the most surprising stat from yesterday. I thought they were going for at least seven sacks yesterday. One sack. That was a surprise. And then as bad as Reed Blankenship played, as bad as he played, he comes up with that big interception at the end of the game. So, guys, that's it for the defense. When we come back from the break, I want to go to the other side of the ball and talk about the good and the bad for this Philadelphia Eagles offense because there was a lot of both yesterday. Stay tuned, guys. We'll be right back. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, 
We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to most to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo. I appreciate all you guys here. I was reading reading the chat during that break, man. And you guys, it's only Monday morning, and everybody's already ready for the Dallas Cowboys. It's a big week. It is definitely a big week. We'll continue to preview that game the rest of the week because this could have huge ramifications for home field advantage throughout the playoffs, and the Philadelphia Eagles could be in a really good spot if they can win on Sunday at the link against the Cowboys to be two games up in the division and at least two games up on the 49ers, depending on what they do this week too. So some really good stuff, but reading all you guys in the chat, appreciate the engagement, but it seems like everybody's a little bit, a little bit torn on this Eagles defense on who played well, who didn't play well, all in all, just wasn't a good enough performance by our defense, but they win the game. So that's the that's the positive. You know, we're sitting here seven and one. And like I said, I feel bad sometimes analyzing these games and being so critical of this team because all they do is win. But that's what we do. I mean, that's what we're supposed to do. And we talked about it last year. I mean, I had didn't have this show last year, but we talked about last year, is you were concerned that Jonathan Gannon's defense was going to come back to haunt us at a certain time, and it did in the worst possible moment in Super Bowl 57. So that's why we talk about these things. But 
this team wins. And I said it in the first segment. Jalen Hurts now, 24-2 and two in his last 26 regular season starts. We are becoming a spoiled fan base. Best team in the NFL at 7-1. and one. And there's still things that they can improve on. But that is also a positive. You look at this team. They are 7-1. and one, And they really haven't played a complete game yet. I think the closest thing to a complete game was probably last week against the Miami Dolphins. Maybe the Tampa Bay Bucks game. But this team still can improve. And you hear Nick Sirianni. That's always his message. Get better every day. Get better each week. Let's hope they continue to do that. But let's take a look at what this offense did yesterday. And we're going to start with the good. And trust me, we're going to get into the bad. But let's start with the good. I expected this offense to be able to absolutely dominate this game because the commander's defense, just like I said their offense sucked, their defense was not a good defense. If you follow me on Instagram at Legal Hands to the Face or on Twitter, I was posting content about this. This defense was 29th in the NFL, giving up 374 yards per game. 29th in the NFL, giving up 27 points per game. 28th in the NFL, giving up 248 passing yards per game. 22nd in the NFL in rushing yards per game. So we knew this Eagles offense was going to be able to put up a lot of yards and a lot of points. And they put up 38 points yesterday, and it could have very easily been 52 points. And we'll talk about that when we get to the bad segment on why it wasn't 52 points. But this Philadelphia Eagles offense showed out yesterday 38 points and could have easily been 52 points. They threw for over 300 yards. Jalen Hurts had one of his best games as a passer that I've ever seen him have. 29 of 38, 319 yards and four touchdowns. Look, people love to knock Jalen. He's only a dual-threat quarterback. Well, he didn't run the ball yesterday. Clearly, maybe that knee's bothering him. But what Jalen have? One carry yesterday? Had a couple kneel downs. Final stat sheet says four. I think he really only had one scramble for seven yards. Had that fumble, which we'll talk about. A couple kneel downs. So Jalen Hurts didn't need to run the ball yesterday, probably didn't want to run the ball yesterday, and he won that game with his arm. So people who are Jalen Hurts haters, he's always oh, a dual threat, never going to win a championship with a dual threat quarterback. He wasn't a dual threat quarterback yesterday. 29 of 38, 319 yards through the air. Four touchdowns, zero interceptions. And I have Jalen Hurts on my fantasy team, so I was real happy yesterday. Real happy. My team's been on a tear as of late. Five straight wins. We'll take it. But Jalen Hurts had an absolutely amazing game throwing the football yesterday, as he should have. This Washington Commanders defense stinks. So as he should have had a good game. And let's stay with the positives for a second before I start to tell you what really pissed me off with this offense. Well, let's talk about the offense more. A.J. Brown, eight catches, 130 yards, two touchdowns. Devontae Smith, 
Seven catches, 99 yards, touchdown. When J- I tweeted this out last night. When Jalen Hurts targeted A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, they were 15 for 15, 229 yards, three touchdowns. Not a single ball hit the ground on the stat sheet. And I say on the stat sheet because that one big catch by Devontae Smith was questionable. But Riverboat Ron, man, I like Ron Rivera. It seems like he's a nice dude. He's been making some bad decisions as the coach of the commanders and not throwing the challenge flag on a big play late in the game was a mistake. But, hey, on paper, 15 targets for A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, 15 of 15, 229, three touchdowns. And let's talk about that play where where Rivera – doesn't throw the red flag. You have to give a lot of credit to this offense and its coaching staff for how they coach these guys up and how the players execute when there are questionable plays to hurry up and get to the line of scrimmage to snap the ball before the challenge play flag can come out. You saw it last year in the NFC Championship game. Devontae going up, giving the signal. They get up there before Shanahan can throw the red flag. They do it again yesterday. And little things like that win football games. When I gave you that stat about how the Philadelphia Eagles are 24-2 and in the last 26 Jalen Hurts-Nick Sirianni regular season games, it's because of little moments like that that don't necessarily show up on the stat sheet. You're not going to see on the stat sheet that the offense got to the line of scrimmage quickly to run a play before Rivera could throw the red flag. But it's little things like that that win you football games. And that was a big play in this game, a really big play in this game. And, yeah, I fault Rivera for not throwing the flag, but I give a lot of credit to Nick Sirianni, the coaching staff, and the players on being able to execute it because not everybody's able to do that. And they talk about it after the game about how they practice it. They practice moments like that. That's why Nick Sirianni is a good coach. That's why this team wins a lot of football games. Attention to detail. Little things like that. Big moment. And I see you guys mention it in the chat. Some people were excited about Julio Jones. Texas boy saying Julio Jones is washed up. Well, he did exactly what we were all hoping he would do yesterday when he came to this team. He's not going to be the Julio Jones of old. He's not going to be putting up 100-yard games. That's not why he was brought here, Texas boy. And I'm assuming with a name like Texas boy, with a picture with the state of Texas and the Dallas star on it, that you're one of those. So appreciate you being here. Appreciate you engaging in the chat. But the reason why Julio Jones was brought here, that we were all hoping, was to help in the red zone. And he comes up with a big red zone touchdown yesterday. A big red zone touchdown. And you guys, if you follow this show, you know I've had my problems with Quez Watkins. I am over the Quez Watkins wide receiver three experiment. I think he's a decent player to keep on your roster as a wide receiver four. Maybe even as a depth wide receiver five. And I believe he was a six-round draft pick. So for him to have stayed in the league as long as he has, credit to him. 
but he's not the wide receiver three on this team. And the fact that Howie Roseman was able to go out and bring in a Hall of Fame wide receiver, Julio Jones, who comes up big, just like we were all hoping he would in the red zone, that was huge. That was huge. And you know what I love the most about Julio Jones' touchdown yesterday? Yeah, it was big for the game. And yeah, it's big for his confidence going forward in this offense. But what I loved was the reaction of his teammates. This is a guy who just got here. Did you see how excited every single player on that Eagles team was when J- when Julio Jones caught that pass from Jalen Hurts? You had offensive linemen. You had A.J. Brown. You had everybody going nuts for Julio Jones catching that ball. It just shows the impact he's already making in that locker room. And I've talked about this on Birds 365 with Jody Mack, that one of the things that I love most about what Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni have done over the years, and I even give credit to Doug Peterson for this as well because he was a big part in it, was creating a culture here, a strong culture where the players actually enjoy each other and enjoy playing together and winning as a team. You saw the mess that was here when Chip Kelly was here. So that's why I give credit to Doug Peterson as well. But Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie made a concerted effort to build a strong culture here, and it started with Dougie P, and Nick Sirianni has furthered it even more. Great stuff. Great stuff. And Julio Jones is another great addition to that locker room, just like Kevin Byard was. I talked about that in the first segment. And now you have Julio Jones, and you could just see how much he's loved by how excited everybody was. And I see Let's Shoot the Shit. I appreciate you, man, telling everybody, hit that like button. So please, if you guys are here, smash that like button for us. Hit that share button if you can. More fans we could reach, the better. Always appreciate you, Let's Shoot the Shit, reminding everybody to do that. But great stuff by this Eagles team especially on offense, and we'll talk about the bad in a second. Another thing that I liked, not only the passing game, third down conversions. I say it every week. Good teams get off the field on third down on defense, and they extend drives on third down on offense. The Eagles' defense wasn't very good yesterday getting off on third down, but the Eagles' offense was really good staying on the field on third down. And they've been very good all season long. Coming into this game, Eagles offense was number two in the NFL. Converting on third down 48.5% of the time. They went 8 of 13 yesterday for 61.5%. That's going to win you a lot of football games in the NFL. If you can convert on third down over 60% of the time, you're going to win a lot of football games in this league. And the Philadelphia Eagles did it yesterday. And they go for it on fourth down again and go one of one. Another big fourth down conversion. Just a great performance by the Eagles passing game. Great performance. But that's going to be it for the positives for me on that offense. And they're big. And if you guys are just joining the show, listen, I said it in the beginning. I am happy that this Eagles team is 7-1. and one. I am confident that they're going to be able to fix a lot of these issues. And I don't want to sound like a spoiled Eagles fan here as we have the best record in the NFL. But my job is to analyze areas that I think need improvement. 
and there are three areas that were very bad yesterday that have continued to be bad through eight weeks of the season. And that's the red zone, turnovers, and the Eagles running game. And we're going to get into the running game last because you know if you follow the show, I was pounding on the table last week about this running game, and I'm going to talk about it again. Well, let's talk about the red zone. This Washington defense was not good. I gave you the stats coming in. But there were two areas that they were good at. And I did a video on my Instagram about this last week, that you look at two areas that the commander's defense does do well, and it's two areas that the Eagles have actually struggled this year, and that was red zone and takeaways. This commander's defense was top 10 in both categories. They were number nine in red zone defense and number 10 in takeaways. And coming in, Eagles, it's hard to say that they weren't bad in the red zone. Even though they went three of five for 60%, we all know what happened on the two times they did not score in the red zone. Two turnovers inside the five-yard line. You cannot afford to turn the ball over in the red zone, especially inside the five-yard line, two times in one game and expect to win a lot of games in the NFL. You can't do it. Eagles did it yesterday. They got away with it yesterday. But you're going to lose a lot of football games turning the ball over in the red zone. And it's been an area that this team has struggled all season. They were better last week against Miami, going four of six. But coming into this game, they were still 19th in the league, only converting 50% of their red zone opportunities. And yesterday, two big fumbles, man. Big fumbles. That's why I said they put up 38 points. They could have put up 52 freaking points yesterday, but for these two turnovers. First one, that was – I don't want to call it turnovers fluke. I got in trouble last week. I said fluke turnovers, and people wanted to attack me in the in the chat. But look, that first one on the tush push, that's a mistake by Jalen. He drops the ball. Can't happen. He knows it can't happen. But the one that Kenny Gainwell, I have problems with that one for a lot of reasons. And I see Dominique in the chat saying, so much crying for the best team in the league. Dominique, I said it earlier. Listen, I am happy that this team is 7-1. and one. I agree with you that they are the best team in the league. And I'm giving them props where they deserve it. And I just spent 10 minutes talking about all the positives on this offense and all the positives with this culture and Jalen Hurts. And I am very, very happy to be sitting here October 30th Seven and one. But my job is not to sit here and just be a cheerleader for every single thing this team does when there's areas that they're not doing well. I love the Philadelphia Eagles just as much as all of you do. Grew up rooting for them. It's in my blood, man. But there are areas this team needs to improve, and we can't sit here with blinders on and not talk about it. So, yeah, they are the best team in football. Yes, I am extremely happy. At 7-1. and one. And we got a big game coming up against the Cowboys. But there are areas this team needs to improve, and it's been a problem now 
through eight weeks, and it's the red zone, it's turnovers, and it's their running game. Those two turnovers in the red zone, Philadelphia Eagles were already, I think, 21st in the NFL in turning the ball over. Yeah, 21st in the NFL. And they commit another two turnovers. And Jalen Hurts with another fumble. It's been a problem. He's got to fix it. But then you go to the Kenny Gainwell run. Look, I'm not as down on Kenny Gainwell as a lot of people are. But I do not think he is your running back, too, on this team. Is he a decent depth piece? Maybe as an RB3. Maybe to fill in in case of injury. But he's not a running back, too. And why this team continues to give him the ball at big moments like that, I don't understand. And that is an unacceptable fumble. You cannot fumble the ball at that point in that game inside the five-yard line. You just can't do it. And, yeah, I put it on Gainwell. But I also do put it on this coaching staff for giving the ball to Gainwell down there. And this is just highlighting more of the concerns I've had with this running game. And we talked about it last week. And if you watch the Jacob Sports pregame show, I talked about it with Seth Joyner and Derek Gunn and Mark Farzetta about the issues I have with this running game. First of all, in the first half yesterday, Brian Johnson only ran the ball four times. Now, it's hard to be. Oh, I thought Letcher just was talking to me. Um, it's hard to be too down on the offense when they're putting up 38 points. I get it, okay? But when we get into the later parts of this season, and we got this tough stretch coming up, and you're talking about the playoffs, and you're talking about winter and bad weather, you have to be able to run the football. You cannot just throw, 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 throw in every single game. You have to have an ability to run the football. And you also look at what happened yesterday when the Eagles had the lead. They get the ball back with four minutes. You should be able to go into your four-minute offense. We said it in the green room, me and Seth Joyner. They're not going to be able to run this clock down because they can't run the football. You can't go into a four-minute offense if you can't run the football. And you look at what they did in the first half. Four runs, six yards. Their running backs only had three carries in the first half for negative one yards. Negative one. We are supposed to be one of the best rushing offenses in the league, and I have been saying it on this show. If you look at the last few weeks, this is anything but the best rushing offense in the league. They have not been good since week two and three. In the running game. And they're getting away with it. We're 7-1. and one. But if we want to win football games down the stretch, they have to show an ability to run the football. You can't give your running backs three carries in the first half and average less than a yard a carry. Negative one yards. DeAndre Swift had one carry in the first half. One carry in the first half. They finished the game. 22 carries for 59 yards. That's an average yard per carry of 2.7 yards, man. Take out Jalen Hurts. 
because we had a couple of kneel downs, so we'll take all those out. The running backs had 18 carries yesterday for 53 yards. That's an average of 2.9 yards per carry. Does that sound good enough? Because it's not. And let's look at the last four games. I told you they have not round the ball well since week two and three. Let's look at the last four games. In the last four games, the running game is averaging 3.4 yards per carry. You take out Jalen Hurts, running backs only. The running backs are averaging 3.2 yards per carry in the last four weeks. This is supposed to be one of the best rushing offenses in the NFL, guys. We're supposed to have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. They're averaging 3.4 yards a carry, and running backs are averaging 3.2. Now, look, there's a lot that goes into that. I, th I see you guys in the chat talking about Cam Jurgens. Cam Jurgens being out has hurt this team. The way defenses are playing this team has hurt this team. Jalen Hurts' knee injury, whether they want to admit it or not, is hurting this team's running game. Because we saw last year when Gardner Minshew went in, running game wasn't as effective. Because Jalen Hurts' ability to pull that ball on an RPO and go around the outside opens things up for your running backs. But this is an issue they need to fix because they are not going to be able to succeed later in this season and into the playoffs with their running backs averaging 3.2 yards per carry. And I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. Trade deadline is tomorrow. If I am Howie Roseman, I am bringing in a big body back to complement DeAndre Swift. Gainwell is not your running back number two. He should not be. Let me say that. He should not be your RB2. DeAndre Swift, number one, should be getting more than one carry in the first half. He's a playmaker. You got to establish the run. You got to give these guys an opportunity to get into a rhythm. It's hard to just turn it on in the second half. But they need to bring in a big body back. And I know people in the chat are going to start saying Derrick Henry. I don't think it has to be a Derrick Henry. I don't think they need to bring in a guy like that because this player that I want them to bring in isn't going to be getting 10, 15 carries a game. I think you bring in a guy who maybe gets five to seven touches. You know, you're running the ball 25, 30 times a game. Five to seven of them should go to a big back. The rest should go to DeAndre Swift. But to have that ability, that change of pace back that has the – to run inside the tackles. Look, DeAndre Swift, I give him a lot of credit. That kid runs hard. You saw what he did on that one run, man. Lowered his shoulder. Defensive back, I think, went flying five yards. He runs hard, but he's small. He's only had more than 15 carries twice in his career before this season. They got to get a big back, and I know people say, I see William Moffitt right on cue. They have Penny. I told you guys last week, I think we need to give up on the Rashad Penny dreams here. He's clearly not the same guy or he'd be getting at least activated on game day. But I don't know who's out there. I don't know who they could get. I know Leonard Fournette is a free agent. I know the name A.J. Dillon's been thrown around. But just a bigger bodied back to compliment these guys is who I would like. But guys, that's my hour. 
So I appreciate all of you in the chat. I appreciate all the engagement. I don't want to end on a negative. We're going to end it on a positive. We are sitting here after eight weeks of the NFL season coming off of a Super Bowl loss where everybody was afraid of the Super Bowl hangover and the Philadelphia Eagles have the best damn record in the NFL. And I see my man Niners all damn day in the chat and the Niners have lost three straight and are two games back of the Philadelphia Eagles. And the best part about this is the Philadelphia Eagles have a clear path to be the number one seed in the NFC. We don't need anyone else to lose. We don't need any other teams to help us out. If the Philadelphia Eagles take care of what's in front of them the rest of the way, they can be the number one seed in the NFL. And that's a beautiful thing after eight weeks. And Jalen Hurts is still playing as an MVP caliber quarterback, in my opinion. And you saw it yesterday. A.J. Brown, MVP caliber wide receiver. That defense will get things right this week. And we'll continue to preview the Dallas Cowboys game. But guys, listen, if you want more, if you want more, I see some of you in the chat and I appreciate it saying, hey, Bill needs more than an hour. Well, we're going 90 minutes tonight at 6.30 right here on the Jacob Sports Network, my legal hands to the face show. We do that once a week. So that will be tonight at 6.30. You could also head on over to Instagram or Twitter and follow me as well, posting daily content there. But guys, like we end every week, a little today in sports history. Our Philadelphia 76ers had their home opener yesterday, so this has a little bit of basketball touch on it. October 30th, 1954, the first time they used the 24-second shot clock. October 30th, 1954, completely changed basketball, adding that shot clock. But guys, on your way out, hit that like button, hit that share button. I hope to see a lot of you tonight at 6.30 on my Legal Hands to the Face show. If not, I will see you all here tomorrow at 10 o'clock. We have Dave Spadaro, Eagles insider, joining the show tomorrow at 10.30. But I'll see you all 10 a.m. tomorrow or 6.30 tonight. Have a good day, guys. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.